When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Two minutes past on this Thursday. It is the 16th day of February 2023. We are back. We are live. A full three-hour vehicle tonight, if you can believe it. It is the Dan Grasso Show on the one and only 98.7 ESPN, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number if you want to be a part of the program, if you want to be a contributor, as they say. Joe Leo and Harvey Cruz, they're along for the ride. They're producing the program. We're taking it right up until 10 o'clock Eastern. Three big hours for you. Remember, you can get us on Twitter at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. Got a few days of shows here in a row because of the All-Star break. You know, the Knicks were nice enough to give us some real estate so we could do a nice little program for you tonight. Tomorrow, we're going to do half of a show. I think we got about 90 minutes to work with tomorrow going into the Rangers-Oilers game. So we'll be with you 7 to 8.30. And then Saturday morning, we'll be back for our customary uh, three hours in the morning from 9 to noon. So a lot of you, a lot of me over the next few days here, and we'll make the most of it. Um, You know, you heard it in the update there right before we signed on to do the show, the passing of Tim McCarver. I I just wanted to, you know, get that out of the way here first, because depending on what age you are, I think that Tim McCarver certainly meant something different to you as a baseball fan. That's probably the best way to put it, but... Regardless of however old you are and what era, you know, you grew up watching or listening, watching, you name it, Tim McCarver, it meant something different for you. But regardless, it was part of the soundtrack of your summer, right? One of the voices of baseball. We hear that term thrown around a lot, right? The voice of baseball, soundtrack of the summer. And you think about a guy who was part of a World Series, Part of postseason baseball for, what, almost three decades when you add all those things up in various capacities, whether it was at Fox and CBS and ABC, you know, the playoffs, the all-star games, everything. And if you're, you know, uh, uh, someone who grew up getting into baseball with those 90s Yankees teams, right, with Jeter and Torrey and the dynasty and all that, I mean, you think back to every single one of those big games that the Yankees played during that run in the postseason. I mean, chances are Tim McCarver was behind the mic for one of them. Right? I mean, him and Joe Buck, I mean, they formed a partnership there, which basically carried you through the month of October if you were a Yankee fan. And remember, he even did Yankees games for a few years there after he left the Mets, apart from his national TV duties. But if you're somebody like in my age range, you grew up with Tim McCarver being a Met announcer. And those great 80s teams, you know, from the mid to late 80s, and of course highlighted by the 86 team. I mean, Tim McCarver spent 15 years in the Mets booth. And those years with Ralph Kiner and, you know, the Fran Healy's and, you know, that that's your childhood. You know, I mean, if you're even older, you're going to remember Tim McCarver, the player. But, you know, that's that was years and years and years ago. But it doesn't matter what team you root for in this town, whether you're a Met fan, whether you're a Yankee fan, you know, Tim McCarver's name is going to mean something to you. You know, and you're going to have probably distinct memories of Tim McCarver being behind the mic for one of the great moments or some of the best moments of your fandom uh, as a baseball fan. In this city, whether it's Mets, whether it's Yankees. And, you know, I think that that's the true tell sign of somebody who leaves an indelible mark and somebody who really resonates and connects with an audience and a fan base. But you cannot think 
about big-time baseball, postseason baseball, without, you know, thinking of McCarver and him being in the booth all those years. So sad news when you heard it. I know that, you know, he had kind of not been doing some stuff over the last few seasons. He had gotten back into the St. Louis. After he left Fox, he ended up back doing some Cardinals games. And, of course, he's, you know, legendary Cardinals, a player, and, you know, catching Bob Gibson all those years. And, you know, even when he went to Philadelphia, he did the same with Steve Carlton, for crying out loud. You know, he caught those guys, I think, more. I saw something caught those guys more than any other catcher did uh, in their respective careers, which is pretty amazing. Um but I saw an interview that he did earlier, you know, people are posting things. And an interview we did with Bob Costas, I guess around, you know, 2013 when he was getting ready to step away from Fox and thinking back to his career and some of the games that he broadcast and so on and so forth. And, you know, the one game that he said stands out to him more than any other. And, and, and like I said, think about how many great games, how many classic games, epic games was he behind the mic for. The one that he brought up was that 2011 World Series Game 6, remember, with the St. Louis Cardinals and the Texas Rangers. You know, Texas was essentially, you know, a couple of outs away from winning a championship, and St. Louis was dead to rights, and that was the game when David Freeze played the role of hero. And, you know, David Freeze, now a, a, a Cardinal legend because of that, and so many twists and turns with that game. I mean, that was, shoot, it wasn't that long ago. You remember how exciting it was, but it's interesting to me that that's the one that he said stands out. Now, maybe it's a little bit of recency bias. Remember, this was only, you know, he was saying this two years after that game took place, so it might have still been fresh on his mind. But, I mean, you just you, you go, down, go down the list in your own mind, the games that stand out to you. I mean, Tim McCarver was behind the mic for, you know, on ABC in 86 when the Mets and the Astros played that epic Game 6 game down in the uh, Houston Astrodome when the Mets won the pennant. So, I mean, I mean, that one would stand out among any others. You know, think about those classic games with the Yankees and the Diamondbacks in 2001, the three games in the Bronx, the middle three games of that series. I mean, just on and on. I mean, i got to rack my brain. I'm just spitting these out there on the top of my head. But um, what a life. You know, what a life. What a baseball life. What a career. So sad news with the passing of Tim McCarver at the age of 81. And, you know, when – you hear news like this, and when things like this happen, you almost kind of, it seems like you lose another like piece of your childhood of a certain degree. Because you think about, you know, growing up and you're developing your love of sports and baseball, and, you know, that was one of the, vo- the voices that was associated with it. So thoughts and prayers to his family. And uh, us as baseball fans here in New York, certainly uh, passing a Tim McCarver is going to mean a lot to everybody involved. And, you know, he was telling a story earlier about um, – you know, what it means to him. And Joe Buck was on earlier today. That's what I was getting to with the guys on the K show. If I could find it here um, on my wall. Maybe it's here. Maybe is Is that all Harvey by any chance? Okay. So he Joe Buck was on with the K show a little bit earlier today. And, and remember, Joe Buck, um, his father, Jack, I mean, he worked with Tim McCarver. And I guess at the time I didn't know this, but like I guess at the time, they weren't necessarily seeing eye to eye. They weren't the best of friends, all this stuff. You know, maybe, you know, look, it, it happens in this world. You're not going to get along with everybody. So now here you have Joe, who's this youngster who comes in and gets to do national games on Fox, and he's paired with Tim McCarver doing the World Series, doing the national broadcasts and those type of things. And it was kind of an interesting dynamic that here you have the son of a guy who, you know, you didn't necessarily see eye to eye with, and now you have to work with him. And they formed a super partnership for well more than a decade and, as I said, became – the voices of all these big moments in baseball. Here was Joe Buck earlier today on the K Show. 
you know how it is when you're in those boots and you're kind of leaning on each other and feel like everybody's kind of shooting at you when you're doing the national stuff and you got to hunker down with a person you're on the air with. So I, I learned so much from him. I knew him when I was a little kid. I knew him in my teenage years. I knew him when my dad was his broadcast partner. And then there I was doing the World Series with him in the Bronx at 27 years old. And knowing that I was in such good hands with the person next to me because he had seen it all and done it all and broadcast it all. I mean, nobody, I, I don't think, has contributed more to the game for somebody that was a two-time world champion and a big part of the Cardinals and the Phillies, a couple other teams, but predominantly those two. And then, as you said, to do all those World Series 23 on national TV and, and such a teacher of the game and somebody who had really strong opinions and didn't back down from them, taught me how to deal with criticism when I was in my mid-20s and was a guy that if, if you were his partner, he had your back. And it, it was just a, a great security blanket for me over those years to be able to lean on him and, and rely on, on that great brain of his and you know, knowing that, that he was there to support me and, and I know that, that he knew I was there to support him. And it's interesting you heard Joe say there, you know, with him just as an analyst and the job that he did. You know, he wasn't afraid to pull any punches. He didn't hold back. He told it like it was, and that's what made him so good at what he did. And look, he wasn't always popular with the players and the coaches and staff alike. I mean, some people, you know, get agitated. I mean, look, we see it today in sports where, you know, players and coaches and certainly the fans, you know, they take exception to an announcer and they all think that, you know, this announcer is against their team. Everybody wants them to lose and so on and so forth. And, of course, the famous one, the public incident, was the situation with Deion Sanders. And when the Braves won that pennant in 1992, when they beat the Pittsburgh Pirates there, and, you know, the Braves were celebrating in the locker room, you had Deion Sanders, who was on the Braves at the time, you know, go up to Tim McCarver in, in the locker room and, and douse him with a, a bucket of water, you know, from two feet away. And, you know, it was caught on camera and you know this was think about it that was almost like the role of social media you know decades before there were social media like that thing blew up everywhere just because there were cameras there that you know documented and caught the entire thing so just uh real sad news certainly one of the legends of baseball hall of famer already with the ford c frick award you know which they give annually to one of the top broadcasters in the game so uh rest in peace to tim mccarver when we come back here on the program. we got a lot in store for you here for the next few hours. We will talk to our pal Anthony Becht a little bit later on in the program, coming up at 9 o'clock. We're not going to talk Jets and football. We're going to talk a little, you know, about what Anthony's been up to of late and what he's been up to of late, for those that don't know. Well, guess what? He's a head coach now. He is the head coach of the St. Louis Battlehawks of the XFL, which gets underway here this weekend. And I'm happy for him. I'm proud of him. You know, he's a friend, and this is something that he's wanted to do for a while, and the fact that he was able to get this opportunity is great, and I have no doubt that he isn't going to knock it out of the park here. And they open up on Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock on ABC. So national TV spot, which is going to be great. So we'll talk to Coach Becht a little bit later on at 9 o'clock, see how things are going on with his roster. And he's got, look, if you're a football fan, you look at the rosters of some of these teams in the XFL, you're going to know a lot of the names. Um, you know, his quarterback is A.J. McCarron, of course, who had a, a long run in the NFL as a journeyman, but, you know, won national championships with Alabama under Nick Saban, of course. So we'll talk to Anthony a little bit later on. Curious to see how things are going for him and his team getting ready for the start of the year. When we come back, though, let's get into the basketball because still got one more night of hoops here before the All-Star break. But as far as the locals are concerned, they are already done uh, for another week or so here. And you got to feel good if you're a Knicks fan. 
And you got to feel good about this team where they are right now heading into the All-Star break. And realistically, the things that they set out to accomplish before the year are very much in front of them. We'll talk about that coming up next. Plus, Kevin Durant speaks for the first time. Since moving out to the Phoenix Suns, what did KD have to say and why did he even get a little emotional? How about that? Dan Grosser Show. We're rolling until 10 tonight. 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Gordon and Larry tonight uh, after us. Harvey, is that what's happening? Yes. There we go. Gordon and Larry, as expected, coming up at 10 o'clock. Um, boy, good job by the Knicks last night, really. I know that you know, you're not going to get too carried away just by, okay, you beat the Atlanta Hawks. And we know that the Hawks have been through a lot this year. And, you know, they're not having as good a season, let's say, as, you know, maybe some expected them to. And certainly, look, the reason why it was a good performance last night is because there have been a couple of clunkers this year against this Hawks team. I mean, hell, the last time the Knicks were in Atlanta, which was, what, just a few weeks ago, the Hawks almost put up like a buck fifty on them, right? And they've had no answers for that backcourt. Even DeJounte Murray, for example, in games against the Knicks this year. And, you know, what they did last night, I'm not sitting here trying to tell you they're going to win a championship, but if you want to take stock in where this team is right now, and what's funny about it, too, is, you know, like we talk about the All-Star break, the All-Star break, the midway point. This ain't the midway point, guys. Right? I mean, the Knicks have played 60 games already this year. They got 22 games left, and now they're only having the All-Star break? So I don't know what's up with the scheduling, but nevertheless, you know, you got a stretch drive when you return from the break, and it's all very much in front of you. And I said at the beginning of the year, when you talk about goals for the Knicks, realistically, I'm not one of these people that's going to sit there and try to sell you a bill of goods on, oh, well, they could do this. They, no, 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 no. I said this team's goal should be to finish beyond the playing tournament. To guarantee yourself a playoff spot in the top six so you don't have to deal with the Russian roulette of playing in that playing tournament. And now, when they go to sleep into the All-Star break, that is where they're going to find themselves. So when they don't return now for, what is it, like nine, ten days? I mean, the NBA All-Star game is like endless. Or the All-Star break, rather. But the Knicks are sitting there in the sixth spot. And right ahead of them, as they're driving down that highway, is the Brooklyn Nets. And it is very, very possible that the Knicks are going to ultimately pass Brooklyn. I don't think Brooklyn is going to remain a top-five team in the East. I said that last week when these trades were made, when the teardown was made for the Brooklyn Nets. And, look, I understand, you know, Brooklyn's got a team now that guys are playing hard and 
they want to quote unquote be there and Bridges goes out there last night and has a huge game, right? That's good. And I'm glad that they're playing hard. And it goes without saying that the Nets are a more likable team than they were when they still had KD and Kyrie. But you're asking them to play at a level which I don't think is sustainable over the next, what do they have left? 50, 24 games. I just don't think it's going to happen. Remember, what the Nets did here so far in the first 58 games they played this season, that was to some degree with Kevin Durant, with Kyrie Irving, some combination of the two. Those guys are gone. So the Knicks, I think, will ultimately pass Brooklyn. And if you're going to tell me that the Knicks are going to be a top five team in the Eastern Conference, well, you know what? That's even better than you could have imagined. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, remember in the summertime when... We all sat around and debated back and forth about whether or not they should have went all in and chasing Jalen Brunson. Is he worth the money? You know, what Jalen Brunson did last year in the playoffs for Dallas, is that nothing more than a fluke, right? And think about the luck that the Knicks have had over the years incorporating these type of players from other teams, especially guys that were so-called slam dunks, guys that it just seemed it was obvious they were going to be Knicks. And you knew that something would ultimately go wrong. Like, there'd always be a yeah, but. Well, that hasn't happened for Brunson, right? That hasn't happened. Jalen Brunson might go down. And I I hate to say this because I don't want to jinx anything. And we're only talking about three quarters of a season. But Jalen Brunson has the opportunity to go down and to be remembered as one of the best free agent signings in, in, in this city's history. Not just the Knicks. In this city's history. If we're talking about athletes who came from outside here and just got it done on this stage, which, as we know, can swallow up a heck of a lot of really, really good players, guys who've had great careers, Hall of Famers, come to this city and can't get it done. Jalen Brunson's unfazed, you know? He's the anti-superstar. Dude's got no ego. He's the complete opposite of high maintenance. The guy just goes out there and balls and gets his job done. Teammates love him. He's a leader. I I mean, this is as good a move that the Knicks have made in, you tell me. You tell me. Because it's been slim pickings for a lot of years. So he's an all-star, even though technically he's not one, which is, look, I don't get caught up in who's going to be an all-star, who's not an all-star, who's because I'm not even going to watch the game. I could care less about the NBA all-star game. But the fact that Jalen Brunson's not recognized and is not going to be in Salt Lake City and when they announce the All-Stars that he doesn't have an opportunity to walk out there with the spotlight on him and people cheer for his name, that's a joke. They should, like, put his name up there or do, like, a hologram of Jalen Brunson, like, to right the wrong of the league and, you know, the people that vote for these players. They should have, like, hologram Jalen Brunson because he deserves to be there more so than some guys who are even going to be at the All-Star game. So I go back to the summer again because... I wonder, I, I, I really and truly wonder. Knicks didn't want to part ways with R.J. Barrett, right? They didn't want to include him in the deal for Donovan Mitchell. They thought they had something. And as soon as Donovan Mitchell, by the way, got traded to Cleveland, remember the Knicks sat there and they announced, hey, we re-signed R.J. Barrett to a contract extension, yay us. And a lot of the fans were reluctant to move R.J. Barrett, right? They, they, they wanted to hold on to him for dear life. He was a homegrown Nick. He was an ascending player. Like, th- this is the guy. This is our guy. We need him. What if I told you or what if you knew then that Jalen Brunson was going to be a stud? So you went and you got your point guard. You don't got to worry about that. 
Would it change your outlook at all about maybe what you should have paid to get Donovan Mitchell over here? Can you imagine a backcourt with those two guys right now? Jalen Brunson, the way he's playing, Donovan Mitchell's Donovan Mitchell. Throw in all-star Julius Randle. You don't think the Knicks could make things a little bit more interesting, at least even this year? I'm not saying that they would win a championship or come out of the East, but I think you could talk about a team that might even challenge for a top three or four spot. And that's not a bad place to be, especially when you haven't had any glimmer of success for a good number of years, at least sustainably. That's a step in the right direction. So you got to be thrilled at where the Knicks are right now. You know, woulda, coulda, shoulda when it comes to the trades and this and that and who they didn't get. You know what? That's in the past. But I'm just saying, it would have been nice. I was all for going for Donovan Mitchell, but can't do anything about it now. And oh, by the way, Mitchell Robinson's going to be back here pretty soon too. So that'll shore up the defense a little bit, which I think we could see needs a little bit of locking down, especially in the paint. They miss his presence sorely. But if I would have told you in the summer, hey, you know what? All-star break. Knicks are in sixth place in the Eastern Conference. Playing really good basketball. Brunson's a stud. Randall's an all-star. Unfortunately, so is Donovan Mitchell, but in a Cleveland Cavalier uniform. I think a lot of you would have signed up for it. I don't know how you wouldn't if you're a Knicks fan. You would take that. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's get to a couple of calls here before we get to the break. Dave in Queens will start us off here on 98.7 ESPN. David, good evening. How are you? Dan, good evening. Um, yeah, I want to talk about Deion Sanders and Tim McCarver incident. But first I want to say, you, you called um, Rogers the groundhog the other day. That's what I've been saying every day now. It's so funny. <laughs> That's right, yeah. That was, yeah. So refer to him as the groundhog. The groundhog, right. Let people hear that. Yeah. <laughs> that was classic. Um, yes, may I talk about when Dion ambushed a, a younger McCarver and a younger Dion back in the day in the locker room, I lost a little respect for Dion. I still liked him as a player and everything. Now, look at it, 180 degrees, he's become a coach, he's a disciplinarian, he doesn't take any mess from his players. And I would like to see Dion tweet something about McCarver, maybe saying he's sorry or he, he probably acted inappropriate back when he threw water on him from the back. And um, I never liked that about Dion. Other than that, I like Dion. You know, um, what are your thoughts on that? I, well, honestly, Dave, I don't, A, expect him to say anything. And I thank you for the phone call. I don't expect Dion to address it. And number two, I don't think he should have to. Right? I mean, they didn't get along. He did what he did. I mean, un- unfortunately, for I think the, on- the only thing that Dion is sorry about, and maybe he's not even sorry about it, is that the cameras caught it. You know, he knew what he was doing. And to be quite honest with you, I was a little young when that whole thing transpired. So I didn't really get into the, you know, the, the behind the scenes and, and, and this or that. I thought it was pretty cool that you had a guy who was playing two sports in one day. Professional sports. And I don't know what McCarver, you know, McCarver, I guess, took exception with that and didn't think that he was necessarily, you know, there for both of the teams or, you know, it, it was more of a showcase than anything else. Um, I don't know if, you know, McCarver, that, that was kind of like the elephant in the room with him. And it was something that he didn't necessarily like to bring up all that often or discuss. And I know that Dion hasn't really talked about it that much. So do I expect Dion to now say something that, that Tim McCarver's passed away? Probably not. Probably not. I don't think he should either. It, it, it's in the past. It's done. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll get to some calls when we come back. Also, got to talk a little bit about Kevin Durant because he spoke today. Why did he request the trade from Brooklyn? 
now that the past is the past, how does he remember his time in the borough, his time in New York? And believe it or not, something made him get even a little bit emotional. How about that? Dan Gross' show till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. Think of Aaron Rodgers as a groundhog. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Remember Anthony Becht, head coach of your XFL St. Louis Battlehawks, going to join us coming up at 9 o'clock. Yeah, the former Jet as well. Part of our uh, broadcast team on the radio here on 98.7 ESPN. And that's what our goal is here for the XFL season. Since New York doesn't have a team, because we got Anthony coaching one of them, we're going to have to adopt the Battlehawks as New York's XFL team, even though they play in St. Louis. They are New York's official XFL team, and and I won't hear it otherwise. I'm sorry. Uh, Let's say hi to Dre. He's in Hackensack. He's up next here on 98.7. Dre, how are we doing tonight? How are you doing? What's up, Dre? Well, I've been listening to you. Talk about Jalen Brunson and 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 he's all right, but let's let's give Julius Randle his flag because you know he's the real all star of the team. Um, and and for lack of you know the, the truth, the truth of the matter is very simple. If Kyrie was still in the East, you know, it, it, one one less person on the reserves. That'll be on the all-star team. I, I just don't see much of a person in his position that he could replace. I mean, Tyrese Hyber, maybe, but I mean, who, who else are we talking? Like I said, when it comes to the all-star stuff, it's not the all-star game is a joke anyway, Dre. I'm not going to sit here and lose an ounce of sleep over it because it, it's not even a real all-star game. Like the, you know, the whole there's no such thing as conferences. They got team captains, they're picking teams and all that other crap. Like regardless of what they're in, my point is, I don't think the Knicks. Not I don't think I I know, I know that the Knicks are not sitting where they are this year without Jalen Brunson. And he's even more valuable to them than Julius Randle is. I'm not saying which guy's had a better year. I think Jalen Brunson is the Knicks MVP this year. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think the Knicks would be better or worse than they are right now if they had Donovan Mitchell rather than Jalen Brunson? It, it didn't come down to that, though. They wouldn't have had to choose. Well, who, Let me ask you a question. Who would be the point guard if you didn't have Donovan Mitchell? Who cares? Oh, who, who cares? I mean, Dre, they haven't had a point guard since uh, basically Derek Harper, for crying out loud. <laughs> who cares? Yeah, who cares? You know what we're going to do? We're just going to, each time we inbound the ball, we're going to roll it up to half court. And then whichever guy on the team, remember in gym class, we used to play a game called Steal the Bacon. They'd have, like, one yo-yo on one baseline and, and one yo-yo on the other, and then, like, there'd be the ball right in the center of the court, and then the teacher would blow the whistle, and you got to run, and whoever gets the ball first, then you got to dribble it and try to score into the hoop, and, and that's how you get the point, whatever. That's what the Knicks would do. they play Steal the Bacon, essentially, without a point guard. Who cares? <laughs> right, who cares? Exactly. Kevin in New Jersey is up next. You're on 98.7. Kevin, how are you? 
Hey, what's up, Dan? How you doing? Kev, how are things? Good, good. You made me laugh at the steal the bacon thing. I, I vaguely remember that happened. Shout, yeah, shout out to steal the bacon. One of the, uh, well, I don't even know. Like, I mean, look, this was a long time ago. In, in 2023, is, is even a game like steal the bacon deemed, like, safe and politically correct and all these other things that they're, you know, playing in gym classes in schools now? I strongly doubt it. I feel like that's when everybody, like every athlete, got their like original concussion. They probably they renamed it probably to make it more veggie friendly or something, like a plant based game. They can't say bacon. <laughs> Steal the cauliflower. Absolutely. They probably call it now. Um, but yeah, so I just want to talk about. Uh, so I just hopped on the radio, so I just I heard you talk about the Knicks. I'm like, all right, I have to call in. Um, I just want to talk about this acquisition of Josh Hart. And then also R.J. Barrett real quick. So, first of all, the Knicks look like a completely different basketball team since Josh Hart joined. Um, I don't know if it's an energy. Clearly the defense. He can obviously play a little offense. Um, but I want to hear your opinion on the potential swap of R.J. to the bench and Josh Hart to the starting lineup. But I do know it would be difficult to put a guy you just paid on the bench. Um, but I just feel like his game fits the bench better. I just want to hear your thought on that. You know, I was – Kevin, i got to be honest with you. I say the same thing about Josh Hart. I think his game in relation to this team, I think his game fits the bench a little bit better. And I'll tell you why, and I thank you for the phone call. What he's given you so far has essentially been the Josh Hart experience. You know, that one game against Brooklyn, he went off and he had the, you know, almost 30 points. I don't think you're going to expect that. You can't expect that on a night-in, night-out. But anywhere between 25 and 30 minutes a night, you know, he gives you he gives you defense. He gives you hustle. He can put one in every so often. That's vital, I think, to a reserve unit. To have one of the, like, IQ is going to be your number one scorer off the bench. Right? That's a given. And I don't think that Josh Hart, you know, is getting that confused in any way, shape, or form. But he just gives you a little bit of everything. R.J. Barrett, R.J. Barrett to me is too streaky of a player to put him on the bench and have him come off to try to score some points and to maybe give you another, you know, score that you can rely on. Barrett's one of these guys that kind of has to get into the flow of the game. Sometimes it takes him a little while to get going, right? I think he's fine where he is, but I'm glad you mentioned Josh Hart because I left that out initially when I was talking about the Knicks and kind of the state of affairs and where they're at here. I I, I think the Josh Hart move is a good move. Is it one of those that's going to make you a championship team? No, of course not. But having a guy like that be part of the squad, you could tell that he's somebody that Tom Thibodeau, he's a Tom Thibodeau player. He's a Tom Thibodeau player. Nothing more, nothing less. And look, I don't know if he's going to be like, you know, here for the next five years and Knicks are going to re-sign him and that sort of thing, but... I'll tell you, if this is a team that has designs on going to the playoffs, having one of these guys on your team, you know, in big situations like that, that if you get off to a little bit of a slow start and he comes in there and could be a spark plug for you and get the team going, even if it means on the defensive end of the floor, making a big steal, taking a charge, getting tracking down a loose ball, getting to, that's what he does, man. You know, Knicks need some guys like that. 800-919-3776 is the telephone number. Let's say hi to Freddie in Hackensack, who is up next here on 98.7. Freddie, how are you? I'm great, and yourself? What's up, Fred? I have a quick question for you, and, and, and I wanted to see what your opinion is. Yes, sir. For me, Isaiah Hartenstein, I wasn't too fond of him when I picked him up, but I realized that when he comes in the game, he, he definitely commands when he's under the basket. He's active on defense, even on offense. I mean, I look forward to seeing him play. Now, for a guy like Mitchell Robinson who can't stay on the floor, and I and I'm I'm big on like 
not changing the lineup, and Josh Hart should keep coming off the bench. But do you change Mitchell Robinson and you have him sit on the bench and have Isaiah start? What do you think? No, because you know why? I think Isaiah Hartenstein, he has his best mm-hmm. games when Mitchell Robinson is nowhere to be found. Got it. Okay. All right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think that, look, Robinson does this. And Mitchell Robinson's a much better defender, of course, than Isaiah Hartenstein, and that's why he's there. You know, and Hartenstein, I, I don't, I don't want to call him a surprise because, and I, look, I know he's been a journeyman up until this point, but there's a reason the Knicks went out there and got him from L.A. You know, they saw the value in him. You know, all the metrics and this and that, they, they liked what he brought to the team. So he's kind of, I think, filling the role that they saw for him initially when they made him, I don't want to call him a priority in the offseason, but he was a guy that they targeted. But he has a role that he's got to play. You know, I don't think he's as valuable as, let's say, a Josh Hart is going to be for this team moving forward. But, you know, Hartenstein, same thing. I'll even I'll even put him, I'll drop him a few pegs down. You know, I said, uh, you know, Josh Hart is somebody that you want to see out there between, you know, 25, 30 minutes a night. Hartenstein is somebody maybe in like the 20 to 25 range, probably that that's where you're going to get the max productivity for him. Because the problem with guys like Isaiah Hartenstein, the more they play, eventually you're going to start to see the warts and you're going to see the flaws and they get exposed a little bit. But it's been a good group. And and I really think that as we get closer to the finish line this season, and as it, what is it, 22 games left, you're going to need to rely on that bench a little bit more. You know, and that's why bringing in a guy like Hart, that only helps that. And now if you're Tibbs, what happens when Mitchell Robinson is back in the lineup? Right? Because this was somebody that was playing – Nine guys before they got Josh Hart. Okay, now Josh Hart is here. You're playing 10. Well, when Mitchell Robinson comes back, are you sticking with 10-man rotation? Who gets squeezed out? Is Jericho Sims getting squeezed out? This is a guy who's been starting for you. Remember, they weren't starting Hartenstein. They're starting Jericho Sims. So when, when Mitch comes back, does that mean Sims goes into witness protection? I got a feeling that could be the case. I mean, it's not like Obi's playing a hell of a lot of minutes anyway, but, you know, he gets him in there and up and down for about, you know, 10, 15, whatever a night. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We'll get to the KD stuff when we come back. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> we still got some more work to do here, of course, this evening. We'll get to all the Jet stuff, too, and the endless quarterback search. Is he or isn't he? Who's it going to be? Checked in with somebody on that front a little bit earlier today, so report back. Coming up a little bit later on. Um, Kevin Durant had his press conference today out there in Phoenix. Why the hell it took so long? I don't know. Phoenix was home, right? They've been home. It's not like they were on the road. So why did it take a week for him to finally meet the media? And you know what? Even if they are on the road, have the press conference on the road. Even though he's not playing, just it should make it even easier for him. Just go answer a few questions and that, and that's it. But it was kind of weird because they tricked the whole thing out like a pep rally. It, it was very, you know, I'll use the word sophomoric. Because it was something that you see like at colleges and universities when they trot out like a new head coach and they got the band there playing and they have booster. Yeah, like it was it was in the arena. So they're sitting there. They have the setup at center court and they've got like these giant high top chairs and they got this big picture in the back of all the big four now for the Suns. And they was like 
fans there and members of the organization and cheering. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, whatever happened to just having a press conference, the media's there, they ask a few questions, and that's it. Conversely, across town earlier today in Arizona, the Cardinals introduced their new head coach, Jonathan Gannon. And there weren't fans. There wasn't cheering. It wasn't a pep rally. It was a press conference. I mean, they're treating this guy like he's the Messiah. Last time I checked, he didn't play for five teams. Anyway, so Durant's up there, and you knew the questions were going to be fielded because you had national media there. It wasn't just going to be the softballs, even though they probably wish there were, from the Phoenix media just talking about, oh, Kevin, you're so great. You know, the last time you walked on water, you know, you had a triple-double and all these other things. But, you know, people want to get to the bottom of what happened in Brooklyn. You know, explain what exactly went on. Firstly, though, KD talked about his time with the Nets. It was a lot of ups and downs, but I loved the grind. So, and everybody in Brooklyn loved the grind too. So I built a family over there. They're going to always be a part of my journey. Uh, So we didn't accomplish what we wanted to accomplish as far as winning a championship, just like I told him. But I enjoyed the grind. And everybody there, we tried our hardest every day, regardless what was going on in the media, what was going on with our teammates. Everybody who was in that gym, we grinded. So I love those guys. I get emotional to talk about them because that was a special four years of my career coming off of Achilles. And so yeah, it was terrible how some stuff went down, but at the end of the day, I love to grind. And we all love to grind there in Brooklyn and I wish them the best going forward. They got a bright future. Keep the music going, keep the music going. I like this, keep it going. Because it really just adds context to the whole answer. So he loved the grind. Everybody loved the grind in Brooklyn. I hate to be that guy. We're here, so I might as well be, right? I know two guys who didn't love the grind that much. Come on down, Kenny Atkinson. Come on down, Steve Nash. Did KD wash the blood off off his hands from those guys before the press conference at least? Maybe that's why he was getting a little weepy. Maybe that bacterial soap or antibacterial soap to get the blood off the hands. (laughs) Oh, And how about that in Phoenix, too? I mean, Steve Nash is a legend out there. He's a legend. And yet he's sitting here talking about, like, I love the grind, built the family. He's like, well, you built the family, but you also killed off two family members. I mean, that must be, what is that, the Adams family? Twisted family. Manson family. I mean, like, I'm sorry. You just can't take these guys seriously. It's, 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 it's like they want you to believe literally what they want you to believe and nothing more, nothing less. But thankfully, we could sit out here and kind of play connect the dots. So, Kevin, if I can ask, why, why didn't it work with the whole KD-Kyrie tandem all those years in Brooklyn? Tell us. We just didn't get on the court enough. I think when you seen James, Kyrie, and myself, it was it was amazing basketball for 17 games, though. <laughs> but you need, in order for you to win a championship and to be a great team, you just need more time on the floor. We could. It's another story about why we didn't get on the floor together, but we just didn't get enough time on the floor. And um, those are Hall of Fame players that I learned a lot from every day, and I'm wishing them the best as well. Uh, it just didn't work out. Let's also, I'll just throw this into the conversation too. Because again, somebody needs to. At least that was part of that press conference. The trade request that KD made last week, that was the second trade request. 
Right? This was the one that ultimately got him to Phoenix. But remember, last summer, he also wanted out of there. So, I mean, he, he's he's kind of almost spinning this thing as if he, like, woke up one morning and was blindsided by the trade. That he, he, he was shocked as anybody. That he was traded to the Phoenix Suns. Where, meantime... If you read the reports and you 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 kind of get some context as to how this whole thing went down, he and his his guys they met with the Nets. Not only did they request the trade, but they specifically requested it to the Phoenix Suns, which I got into over the weekend. It's like, hey, Kev, you know what? If you're an all-time great player and you want to be, you know, the 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 Batman and the A-lister and the bus driver and all these other things, how about requesting a trade anywhere? Why is it always got to be to a team that's on the verge of winning a championship? And in this case, in Phoenix, you got three other All Stars there. Guys who've already laid the foundation, done the heavy lifting, got them to a certain point, and now KD wants to jump on board. Uh, I mean, it's it's I, I can't wrap my mind around the whole thing. I just can't. So then also, what about Kyrie's trade request, right? Because Kyrie was out the door, and then five minutes later, KD wanted to follow him too. Nothing like toughing it out. Here's uh, his answer to that one. Yeah, I was upset that we couldn't finish. I thought we would have some good momentum. We were um, finally building the culture that we always wanted. Um, I felt like every game we were building our chemistry. Um, but I didn't know what was going on with Kyrie and his situation with the organization. Yes, you so did. I didn't really focus Stop. on that. I only focused on what we were doing on the court. And um, it was a blow to our team. It, it just took away our identity. He was a huge, huge part of what we do. Uh, his game, he's a Hall of Fame player, a great, great player that can do everything on the floor, and we relied on that. So without him, we didn't have a clear identity. So that was tough for me to stomach, and and I love playing with those guys throughout the year. I felt like we had dudes that were stepping up and doing stuff that they didn't do on their previous team. So I enjoyed everything about it, and it was tough to not finish the season, but... um, you know, I just tried to move forward as quickly as I can and try to figure something out for myself, but also still focus on trying to rehab and get back. So it all happened so fast, but I'm glad yeah. it worked out this yeah. way. I had to move. I had to move. So Kyrie requested a trade. He got traded. And I, had to, I had to pivot. I had to move so fast to try to get one of the emergency lifeboats off the Titanic, apparently, instead of just toughing it out. Which also killed off two family members. You did. See, I, I you know. I like a good laugh every so often. If they had any sense of humor, they should have, they should have had Steve Nash at the press conference, and then he should have like came out from behind like the screen that was behind where they were doing it, and he could have like had a microphone and asked a question. Like, oh, uh, uh, Kevin, hold on. We have one mystery person that wants to ask a question, and it would be Steve Nash. And he'd probably get a huge ovation, too, because, again, he's a legend in Phoenix, right? He's an MVP in Phoenix. Hey, guys! Don't forget about me. Exactly. Steve Nash coming out like that. Hey, guys, remember me? Boy, would that have been awkward. <laughs> that was that would have been like one of those uh, like Jerry Springer type moments. We got somebody who's here, Kevin. He's from behind the... I think you might know his name. Oh, mystery person, come on out. And then it's Steve Nash. I'll say this again. The biggest mystery with somebody like Kevin Durant, it's been that way for years. I don't think in all my years doing this, I don't think there's ever been a better, gifted, more talented player that seems so non-confident in his abilities to thrive as a leader than Kevin Durant. Really and truly. Because just on the surface, when you talk about the playing, he's phenomenal. 
He's easily one of the top three players in the game. When he's healthy, when he's right. He's an all-time great. But why is there always drama? Why why is he always like needing to go from team to team to team and chase these championships and join up like ready to made ready you know ready to win teams? And even coming to Brooklyn like Brooklyn might be the biggest indictment of them all. Even though that wasn't a ready to ready to win team, but he went with Kyrie and that spoils everything in my opinion. You joined up with Kyrie Irving and oh, by the way, I hate to just keep pointing this out to KD when he goes on and on and on about why it didn't work in Brooklyn and all these other things and we didn't spend enough time on the court. And we destroy Kyrie for driving a wedge through that entire organization, which is fair, and I think it's valid. But Kyrie Irving played more games as a net than Kevin Durant did. Think about that. And KD had that whole first season which was a redshirt year when he was rehabbing the injury and he had no problem taking $37 million from the Nets when he knew he wasn't going to play, when the Nets knew he wasn't going to play. And at the first sign of things maybe being a little bit murky, he wants out. And then they talk him off the ledge and now he's all back in. And then the next time things are a little bit murky, he wants out again. How's that? You know, you, Joe Sy, you gave this guy $37 million bucks to go to rehab and to get his Achilles massaged for six months, and this is how he repays you at the end? And what does he give you during the times that he could actually be on the court? One playoff series win? One? You know how many bad, non-impressive teams actually won a playoff round in the last three years in the NBA? Go look it up, a lot. And the Nets are going to be part of that list. So, yeah, they're a likable bunch. You know, they got rid of these two guys, but I just... It's amazing how these superstars try to get away with controlling the narrative and, and, and writing their own kind of backstory when really a lot of it couldn't be further from the truth. And I think you just heard some of that there with KD and Phoenix. So we'll see what happens. But I know that there's a lot of people in these neck of the woods that aren't going to exactly be rooting for him or the Phoenix Suns come playoff time. Because Phoenix right now, let's face it, Phoenix is the evil empire in the NBA. They're the evil empire. And you know what's going to happen. I mean, remember, you still... He's got one kind of problem into another. Here the problem was Kyrie Irving he was playing with. There the problem is Chris Paul. Not to say that Chris Paul's a bad guy, but Chris Paul is like notorious for not getting it done in the big moments in the postseason. And that is going to rear its ugly head at some point, you know, once we get to the spring for the Phoenix Suns. 800-919-3776. Your call's coming up next. Remember, Anthony Beck will join us coming up at 9 o'clock. Dan Gross' show till 10 right here on 9870 ESPN. Twisted family.